Heyo, it's DM Seth here, and I am going to be giving you a little recap of of everything so far, for the most part. So why don't you pop a squat and uh, get a notepad, because you're going to not need it, because I'm going to describe everything so well. Um, yeah, so basically, I'm just going to be describing everything that's happened in our show so far, for the most part. Uh, I am going to touch on some season one stuff, uh first here, but I'm going to gloss over it much quicker because we already do have a full season one recap that goes way more in depth on every little bit of detail. I'm just going to kind of give the highlights. Um, and then season two, I'll go into a bit more depth on that whole recap there. But I hope that you all can uh, enjoy this, understand our story. I, I-, I think you will, obviously, but uh, it's pretty straightforward. I think a lot of long cons, though. But still, uh, we wanted to make this so that everybody who wants to listen to our show doesn't have to listen to every single episode. They can use these as jump-on points and catch up real quick. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try and keep it quick and also descriptive. So without further ado, let's start with where it all began, Season 1. We open on the world of Ohm. It's a fantasy land that was created by the gods, Domi and Nobis. Uh, Domi and Nobis were the first two gods ever. In the beginning, there was the two of them. And over time, they got a little bit curious and lonely and wanted to make other gods. So they tried with their powers, but they ended up not being able to create or manifest other gods at the same level as them. They accidentally created the first living beings that were known as the beasts of creation. However, the gods got creative, and they decided that instead of making new gods, why don't they divide themselves into more people? Use up their life force and energy and divide. So they did that. They divided, um, and they went down. It's like, you know, one split into the elemental gods, you know, like earth, wind, and fire and stuff. The other one was more like law and order and the stars. Uh, And even from there, more divisions started to happen. The gods kept dividing for a bit. And so you have different levels of gods in this world. Uh, you know, I have some that have only divided three times, which are more stronger than those who have divided five times. And actually on the fifth, fourth division there, um, they stopped being pre-designated gods. So a water god wouldn't split into the North and South Seas. It would, after that, they would split and they would become something where the gods themselves could be creative and decide what they want to be the god over. So you have some kind of bizarre gods in the world because of this division. There was one god, though, that is notorious and probably the main figure in the whole campaign. And that god's name is Salem. Salem, the god of the hunt. Salem is the one who took treasures and hid them in really ridiculously hard-to-find pockets throughout not only Ohm, but the plains and the whole universe, basically. These treasures that Salem hid were called Grand Treasures. And one was found by a team of of greeters. Greeters is the term for basically treasure hunters in our world. And it was found a while back. And when they found it, the world exploded because... Nobody knew these existed until they found the first one, which was supposedly a huge pile of gold. And that's where the first city of Orem, 
the Golden City and pretty much the main metropolis and hub of the entire world was formed because this group of treasure hunters found this insane amount of wealth in this grand treasure. And because of this, it sparked kind of a huge interest in the whole world for people finding grand treasures. Everyone was obsessed with it. So people went off, they abandoned their lives or whatever livelihood they had to find a grand treasure. Most of them did anyways. So, fast forward quite a bit of years. Only one other grand treasure had ever been found that they know of. And it was a library down in the Strooms Hair Desert. Um, but not many people know too much about that place. But only that other one was found. So we do know there people in the world knew there was more than one and that it was obtainable. So people got sparked with more enthusiasm to find them, especially after that. So, our main three characters. We have Darian Branch, who we'll start with. That is played by Connor. They are an Eladrin from the Feywild. And they are the son of an Archfey. Because they tampered with taboo things, they got exiled and thrown and cast out of the Feywild into the prime material plane of Ohm. And that's where they came to be in Ohm, and they found out about Grand Treasures, and they got interested. So that's how Darien started. Normandy, on the other hand, a tiefling, uh, was raised by monks on a far-off island, and they also have a medallion around their neck uh, that has the symbol of the Demon King of the Deep, essentially uh, the King of Hell. Uh, and they believe that that person is their dad just because they have this amulet ever since they were born. And they, obviously through reading monk texts and things, found out about Grand Treasures and they got interested in it. And they went off to Orem as well as Darien went off to Orem. Everybody was going to Orem because that's where the first Grand Treasure was. It's where the Greeters Guild is, the Treasure Hunters Guild. Uh, so that's the best place to go. And then we have Zippy, Zippy Westboro from the Bramble Patch. Uh... A little Lapine bunny man who lived his life as a farmer and wants to make a name for himself out in the big world. Uh, he's also a part of a multi-level marketing pyramid scheme company called Ammo, where they sell pills that are kind of a cure-all. Uh, but he's super interested in making a name for himself and being like the first Lapine out of the Bramble Patch, uh, where it's just the Bramble Patch is just kind of a secluded Lapine haven where no one leaves, basically. And he wants to be the first one to set out on his own and make his mark in the world. The three of them meet up outside of Orem, and they want to get in and find the first Grand Treasure for clues and also join the Greeters Guild. Uh, because of a lot of fiasco, uh, they, they join kind of a group of bandits to steal stuff and steal cards to get into the city, uh, but they get sidetracked and they end up in a forest just outside where they're trying to lay low after doing some bandit work because they were getting hunted by guards from Orem. And that's where they found... The Greeters Guild, greeters from the Greeters Guild, who informed them that basically they were the only greeters left in the city because all of them had left to go find the third grand treasure. They left with Felix, the number one. This guy is the big shot. He's the best treasure hunter in the whole world, Felix. Um, but they go and help these greeters who are trying to get a cure for the king of Orem. So they go in, uh, they fight through some crazy monkeys, uh, they find an old man in there named Gilbert, who promises them a clue 
to a grand treasure of their very own. If he helps them out, lets him escape this dungeon, and uh, works with him and helps his daughters. He needs the cure that the big bad in this dungeon, Paul, has. So they need to decide if they're going to use the cure for the king or for Gilbert's granddaughter, who also is suffering from the same poison. They decide to help Gilbert and the girl. They go forward, kill Paul, who was an old friend of Felix's, apparently. But as they killed him, they noticed he had this blue flower tattoo, which was odd. So they get the poison cure. They go off to Gilbert's mansion. They cure his granddaughter, Marley. And there's also Paige there, who's just this goofy character who's always making up characters and has a paper bag on her head most of the time with drawings on it. And they learn from Gilbert that he's an old greeter he used to be when he was much younger and he has this piano key which has the symbol of salem on it the god of the hunt which means this is 100 percent legit a grand treasure clue this is one of the keys to opening a grand treasure and they have one so they decide to team up with gilbert to do whatever they can to investigate the key to find the rest of the keys and to find the grand treasure that they all want so they leave off for Orem to go do some investigating. One thing leads to another, and they get tied up with a god, <laughs> Turi, the god of bliss, and they accidentally get into a deal where Turi says that he'll show them the first grand treasure. They can go visit it for themselves because it's open and it's available, but it's underneath the city. Uh, but, in but in exchange, they have to get everybody in the city to basically worship Turi. Pretty tall, pretty tall order. Pretty, pretty tall. And by doing that, they have to go save this little king candidate, the grandson of the king that died because they didn't save him. They have to go save his uh, grandson. So they go about doing that. Fingers, pinkies are lost, actually. Not specific fingers. Pinkies are lost. And they have to fight the bandits that they helped at the beginning. It's so crazy. Uh, and then they eventually save the, the man and uh, they go about helping this man become king of Orem, this whole city, because they need to do that to get everybody to worship Turi. That's the deal. But along the way, they find these grapes, these weird glowing grapes that can basically like absorb things. Um, and they're, they're weird and glowy and provide a lot of magic power. And they also meet a very high level greeter, someone only a few levels lower than Felix, uh, a dragon named Odin and an elephant man named Kandula who work together. And they give them weird information, like saying how Zippy looks like uh, one of the people on the first team of treasure hunters to find a grand treasure, as well as uh, Norman having a... He, Norman has a bunch of tattoos all over his body, and he says they kind of look like a map. And Darian has this star metal ring that uh, is very interesting to them as well. So they get this kind of weird clues. Anyways... Fast forward, the team is about to get Colm, this grandson of the old king, elected. But unfortunately, Zippy's been having a lot of dreams throughout season one, where he's going to different dream worlds for some reason. He's weirdly connected to them. And unfortunately, the god of dreams has a meeting with Zippy and finds out about Turi's plan to get everybody to worship him. And because he's another god, he knows that worship power makes you stronger, and he doesn't want things to be unbalanced so zippy and them have accidentally ratted out their ally so just as the election is going on for the who's going to be the king or queen of orem another god comes 
Mir, the god of the storms, and has a huge battle with Tori. All the while, the guys are fighting the other election candidate, Farron, the sorcerer candidate specifically, because they only elect people who have the bloodline of the first grand treasure hunters that found the city. So there's this epic battle going on, and they tumble through a pit underneath the Church of Salem, basically, in the center of town, and they fall down, and they land on this giant cube, which is the first grand treasure. Uh, Turi gets killed, and the guys fight off Farron, even though she becomes weirdly, like, possessed. And you can see that the blue flower tattoo again appears on her and is basically almost kind of mind-controlling her and stopping her from doing these things. The blue flower just seems to be weirdly powerful and possessive of these people. But they kill Farron, and Mir, the god of stores, ignores them and leaves. So they actually got to the first grand treasure. They go inside the cube. It's this weird, wonderful woodland place, and they find a notebook from the first grand treasure hunter squad. This is the first clue. If they have the notebook from the people who found the first grand treasure, this is going to help them a ton on finding their own. So they take this notebook, but it's all encrypted. It's written in like a secret language to keep their secrets safe. So they can't read it. And also in this cube, they find a little hawk fox pet that they take in and they name it Pepper uh, and they're adorable. So they leave the cube and they go back to the surface and they find that when they were in the cube time was moving faster so even though they were only in the cube for an hour months have gone by on the surface land so they come back they're regarded as the the heroes of orum calm has become king they get all these cool cloaks and treasures because they they did an incredible feat and they're all praised as heroes they go back to Gilbert's mansion and they meet up with him and his granddaughters and everybody and their new butler friend, James, who was there from the beginning with the bandits. But he's not really important. He's just there and he's funny. Uh, he hates being with them, but that's just James. Um, so they meet up with Gilbert and they have the book. And Gilbert says that he knows somebody who could translate this book. Someone, a friend of his down in the jungle lands of Leek's Garden. So, to get there, they can either take horse, which will take a while, or Gilbert's heard of some people that have an airship up in Pokerock, this dwarven, basically technological place up north. So the gang leaves season one, heading off to get an airship to decode the notebook from the first Grand Treasure Hunters. Whoa. Now we're in season two. Things amped up. So the gang, Zippy, Darian, and Norman go off to Poker Rock on a little train and they ride it there and they get to Poker Rock, which is a dwarven city, as I mentioned, with all these kind of like steampunky stuff going on. Um, and they go inside and they meet Aesop, who is in fact an airship builder, the first of its kind. Nobody has airships, and he just has a prototype. But he shows the guys, and they get interested in it, and he agrees to basically sell it to them if they put his propaganda on the side and make people interested in airships. So they get on it, they take it for a test flight, they accidentally crash it because these weird oily lion skin skin covered like furless lion oil beings i described that great uh attack on top uh and they fight them off but the ship kind of like crash lands and the air balloons on the side of the airship actually have air elementals in them and one of them escaped so 
they're in this land that's all rocks and geysers and they have to go underneath the ground into these tunnels and you know this this geyser land but all the water here is wild magic water that's right every time they touch the water they got wild magic effects and it was hilarious this is also where they met a, a curious little moxie fish, a little pink fish named Draken, who claimed to be from the Feywild and also the most powerful sorcerer way back in the day. They don't really believe him, but he's basically a villain. He says he's a villain. He acts very villainous and he's hilarious. But Darian takes a liking to him and they kind of become somewhat buddy-buddy. Not really, because Draken's just constantly saying, burn everything down. And Darian's like, nah. Um, but, uh, Draken does provide some historical knowledge, specifically this land that they're on was called Wesnia and that the grand treasures were gifts from the gods that were handed down to the people. Um, and they were at once given to the people, but now they were all taken away by Salem and hidden. So you find out that information from the old Wesnian days in this magic tunnel place, um, Darian accidentally goes into the ethereal plane and sees it in kind of like a weird snapshot of time. Um, but they see that there's these this watchtower. But now it's like buried underground. So in these tunnels, they have a purpose now. They're going to go to the watchtower that they saw. So they go through these tunnels with Draken by their side, doing all these little funny puzzles and stuff with magic, wild magic water. And they meet the air elemental in the watchtower and up there they find this after capturing and subduing it and and getting the air elemental to calm down and come back to the ship with them they find this telescope that has like a broken uh, lens but it still works and it's this weird telescope that was always pointed at the moon in the ethereal plane when they saw it in that watchtower but in this time in current time it was broken in the watchtowers underground and everything because it's been so many years so they have this telescope and they keep it and they pretty much forget about it for the rest of season two, but I'm not better. <laughs> okay. So we circle back. They get on the airship. The air elemental is put in. Uh, also, if you're curious, there's two elementals on each side. One's names are Hurry and Kane and the other ones is Tor and Nato. I'm hilarious. So they fly back to Aesop's workshop um and also in the wild magic thing darren lost his hair so he immediately goes to a barber shop while the other guys do some shopping and things and um they there in the barber shop uh darren overhears that felix was last seen uh in this place called mana snow way down south way across the world in this like winter place uh, but they just mentioned that they were from Manisnow and they heard Felix was about there. It was not meant to be a main plot point. But guess what happens? You leave one little breadcrumb and everybody goes following it. I needed to learn that lesson. I learned it hard. But the guys get back on the airship and they're going to go back to Gilbert to pick him up and, and to learn more information from him and go meet his friend to decode the book and stuff. On the way... They notice that the mansion that Gilbert and the girls and everybody was living in is on fire. There's a, it's a burning blaze. They immediately freak out and go to check out what's wrong. And the party kind of splits up. Zippy's controlling and driving the airship. Darian and Norman go down. And this is where Norman finds and meets his siblings, his two siblings from 
his Monk Island background. He never told anybody this, but his siblings think that they killed their master. They lived alone on the island. It was just their master, Master Matsumura, and the two siblings that he had, May and Cornelius. And Master Matsumura got sick, and Norman stayed behind to like take care of him while the other two searched for a cure. But when they got back, Master Matsumura was dead, and it kind of looked like Norman killed him. So Norman was always constantly on the run while these two were hunting him down vigorously. And guess what? May also has a tattoo. His sister also has one of those blue flower tattoos symbols on her body. So she's connected to all of it somehow. So an epic fight ensues. Uh, Darian saving people, saving the butlers and the girls, anyone he can. But unfortunately, the siblings were too quick and they had killed not only one of their friends, Blackjack, a, a tabaxi that they met. His brother, Yogurt, that's good friends with Zippy, survived. But they also killed Gilbert. So their main source of information and mentor was gone. Norman goes on a one-on-one fight with May. And loses terribly because he's a bard and also lower level. (laughs) And May beats him down and Norman dies. And in his death, his body started going obsidian black with flames coming out of these cracks all over his skin. And he shot up out of control Norman and Adam who plays Norman was not in control and they were going berserk punching and destroying everything they were like a legendary creature and they were destroying everything but we actually got to see a snapshot into what Norman was experiencing he was on a little boat the same one that he had experienced in dreams in season one but he was on this little fishing boat in a silver sea. And across from him on the boat was his master, Matsumura, and Royce, the demon king of the deep, the real one, was sitting across from him. In this boat, we learn a lot about Norman. We learn that Norman is, in fact, the demon king of the deep. The demon king of the deep is not his dad. He is that person. Because Royce, when he was still in the deep was betrayed by one of the other demons and killed. And the god of death, Lennox, saved his soul. And with help of the god of beast, Ganala, they made made it able to form this body. I should mention that gods in this world don't normally come to the primaterial planes. They usually act into the primaterial planes through these things called tethers. They pick someone at birth, And then when they're born, they are tethered to them. So they can speak through them and they can see through them. And they are their vessel and basically their mouthpiece into the world. So Tori had one um, and and Mir had one as well. It was a Remorhaz creature. Um, So when they're fighting, they're not actually like physically there in person fighting. They're usually fighting through their tethers. So Royce, the Demon King of the Deep, was tethered to Lennox. And Lennox saved his soul. And with Ganala, the God of Beasts, They crafted this makeshift one. They normally have to choose a tether at birth. And after a tether is severed or killed, it takes about 10 years to make a new one. So 
They had to act fast to save Royce's soul. And they made Norman, who is kind of a hollow person that they put Royce's soul into. But unfortunately, I guess they messed up because Norman has a personality and a will of his own. So in this boat, he's seeing Royce. But why is Matsumura there? Turns out all the tattoos over Norman's body was actually kind of a a sealing incantation and spell that Matsumura learned from his calm cloud monk ways. And he made it so that when he died, his soul would go into the hollow Norman and take over that. It seemed as though Master Matsumura had done this many times for years and years because he was from Wesnia, that really old time that Draken was talking about. So him and his siblings were chosen not because they wanted to be, he wanted to mentor them. It's because they were hollow people. Norman in his own like near death state, him and Royce team up to throw Master Matsumura out of his body and flush him out into the deep once and for all. But Norman in the real world, not in his near death experience thing, he was running amok and destroying everything in this like demon mode. But luckily, Darian's uncle, or he just was soon to learn Uncle Gallard, showed up. Yes, Darian, the Eladrin from the Feywild, has a regular elf uncle. And he'd never met him before. But Gallard knew of Darian. And together they worked to send May and Cornelius. They shot this extra planar bow and sent them to another plane. And Norman fizzled out and fell flat, seemingly dead. He was like in this deep, deep coma. So Norman was out of commission. Zippy and Darian hold a funeral for Gilbert and Blackjack. And they take the girls and they let them stay with Gallard and also Jesse, this donut shop baker. That's apparently his wife that Norman hit on at one point. That's a season one thing. <laughs> and uh, so they knew of her. But Gallard talks with Darian and lets him know that his dad, the Archfey, was actually not from the Feywild. He went there and forced his way to become an Archfey somehow. Darian, all confused with this, decides that he's going to figure out things on his own pretty much, and he'll talk with Gallard later. Zippy and Darian now, without their third party member, need to decide what to do. And without Gilbert as well, they're, they're kind of lost. And instead of going to get the book translated, they go to find Felix in Mana Snow. So they take the airship, and they fly across the world. They stop in a little tabaxi town first uh, while they were on their way to Mana Snow. And they stop there to get some winter gear because they're going to the snowlands. And also for Yogurt to go talk to his parents, letting him know that Blackjack, his cat brother, had died. In the clothes shop is where we met our new party member. Adam's new character, Peterson, a goblin shaman who wants to go to the second grand treasure, the library in the desert. And basically, he's a mercenary for hire, and the gang hires him on. Uh, essentially, Peterson has to pay them to, to like get on their squad and be chauffeured on their airship to the desert. But first, he knows that they got to go to the winter place first, Mana Snow. 
While in this cat town, they also accidentally stumble upon a cat cult and this big pink slime extra planar thing called Level. And they go inside and they do this weird challenge where it spits out loot and it's like pink slime. And Zippy gets a bucket of the pink slime and they get all this loot because they made a bet. Um, it's very weird. It's a, it's a high octane two episodes. I highly recommend it. And they go... Uh, with their loot, they find a little info on Felix because they're so fe- focused on Felix now. And in this little notebook that they won, they find out that Felix is kind of this great treasure hunter and he actually holds the real grand treasure from the first grand treasure that was ever found. It's not the pile of gold that everybody thought. It was actually one specific coin that can do some crazy magics that they don't really understand. So Felix has this coin. Felix has a regal grand treasure. So the gang learns about this, and they also learn that all the top 10 greeters in the world, Felix included, are invited to meet to do some sort of secret grand treasure hunting mission when two moons are shining bright in the sky. It's very cryptic, but they don't really know what it means. But they keep that information and put it away. On their way to Snow with Peterson in tow, they cross this little tower and they help someone who is seemingly on the top of the tower. They they need to get down because they've stolen stuff. They're a thief. And the gang helps them for half one of the bags that they're holding. And it has some gold in it. But they help this random person from this tower down to the ground. Uh, and they fly away and guards show up at the top of the tower. And they're like shouting at them because they think the guy's on their ship. And they fly away seemingly without consequence. Or so they thought. I'll get to that. So, they end up in Mana Snow after flying through a herd of mammoths, these giant mammoths, and a giant helps them out, and they meet the Greeters Guild, not Greeters, Greeters, like Walmart. And they do a little song, and they find out um, that Felix and all the Greeters Guild members that were gone from Season 1, they were making their way way down deep into Mana Snow Mountains behind there, um, where apparently that's where they were looking for the third grand treasure. So they're hot on the tail of them. The gang finds a guide called Leslie, this little weird rotund tiefling boy who is in love with one of the greeters that was on the greeter guild squad that went with Felix to the Man of Snow Mountains. So he has a stake in all this too. They go up the mountains and on their way there, they, they fall into this kind of weird, uh, riverway in the middle of a mountain and they find this giant snail and in the snail they meet this figure that they met in season one called the Red Bandit this kind of uh, cryptic uh, person called a gazer they have a red bandana covering their face and eyes their nose and eyes but their mouth is seen and they're kind of speaking cryptically and saying how everything matters and fate and all this other stuff and then all of a sudden this person shows up named Karen. Yes. They were asked who it was. The guys gave the name Karen first, so that's the name they got. And this person shows up, this tiefling, this old man named Karen shows up, and he seems distraught and in despair. And they kind of calm him down. But all of a sudden, Karen goes kind of berserk and wants to infect all of them with his own blue flower. They saw the blue flower on this guy as well. And it starts spreading and spores start flying. And Darian and Peterson both get one of these spores up their nose. But Zippy stops them and is like, stop. 
We don't need blue flowers. We don't know what those even are. Um, and all this stuff. And Karen, in his days, he's kind of like out of it. But he hears the word, the ammo company, Zippy's pill company. And he hears that word and he thinks to himself, Lou Blonger. I need revenge on Lou Blonger. Because he also learned from the guys that Gilbert was dead. And Karen actually knew Gilbert way back in the day, apparently. And hearing that he was dead and that ammo company was still about, he put two and two together that the guys didn't really know at the time. But essentially, Lou Blonger had some sort of relationship with them too. Lou Blonger is the CEO of the ammo company again. So Karen, this random old man tiefling, leaves and says that he's going to ask them for help later and that he's going to call on them. The guys think nothing of it and continue on their way. They get to the Man of Snow Mountains. And on the way up, they are meted by Mechanos. Yes, these robotic creatures from the Mechanos plane. Darien's immediately scared of them because the Feywild was actually attacked in this huge Mechanos war. And the reason Darien was exiled from the Feywild in the beginning is because he was tampering with Mechanos parts in his spare time, which is completely taboo there. So, on top of the mountain, they have an epic fight with some Mechanos and they, they kill these robots. And Leslie seems to be weirdly associated with them. But one thing leads to another and the gang is like sneakily going down um, the mountain and they make camp in a safe spot and they all go to sleep while they plan how to take on this Mechanos fortress and find Felix. But as they sleep, more dream shenanigans start happening. And Zippy, in this dream space that he was put in by the god of dreams, it's kind of this just white void that he's its kind of just like jail, I suppose. This black ball is bouncing in there. And it's weird. Uh, Paige, the, one of Gilbert's granddaughters, is also in this dream space for some reason. Um, but the black ball is bouncing there. And it's just weird and a black ball. They wake up and they start going off into this Mechanos-torn land. There's all these towers. And here, they get split up because they get caught. Darian sacrifices himself to let the other guys get free. And uh, Zippy and Peterson leave. But Darian gets captured. Him and Draken are put in this kind of like ice pit. And also, that's where Darian starts having meetings with Otto, the leader of this whole Mechanos area. Otto tells Darian... That he wants to use him. He wants to work with him. He's not going to kill him. He wants to work with him. He specifically has an interplanar teleporter in this Mechanos base. And they're trying to map it out. They're putting in these different coordinates and seeing where it leads them. And they're mapping out basically how to get to different planes using different coordinates. And it's very like testing and it's, it's very experimental. And they want Darien though to go to the Feywild. Because they want him to go scout it out. They want him to go to this specific area um, and uh, go check things out in this specific Feywild area. Darien agrees and he gets suited up to go for interplanar travel. All the meanwhile, Zippy and Peterson are sneaking around, dodging robots and everything. And then they themselves get split up. Peterson accidentally gets himself in he transforms into a rat and gets separated but he finds the greeters 
there's greeter guild members that are being used to be experimental test subjects going into the interplanar teleporter to map it out. And he asks about Felix, but Felix isn't there. Apparently, Felix basically abandoned all the Greeters Guild people. He basically sacrificed the entire Greeters Guild for some sort of favor with Otto to use his interplanar teleporter, probably. But all these people, all the Greeters believe that Felix is coming back, but he ain't coming back. They got used. And Zippy is also on his own path down in the bellies of this Mechanos area. And he's actually with Leslie, the guide. Uh, and Leslie meets up with Lara, the girl that he was obsessed with, the Greeters Guild member. And she f- comes to comes to the senses too that, oh no, Felix actually betrayed us. And they all team up and they start going around uh, trying to hack stuff. Because now that Leslie has Lara, uh, they want to get out of there. And it turns out that actually Leslie was guiding them. He was, he was kind of betraying them. Leslie was going to guide the guys up to the mountain so that the Mechanos could take them so that he could see Lara. It was like an offering. Um, so the guys in Zippy didn't take that really well, but they stayed kind of friends. But basically, Zippy goes with them to this mainframe thing where he hacks it by doing like a color guessing game. Uh, and he wants to look at security cameras and figure out what's going on and find Darian. But Darian is being sent to the Feywild. And he goes off and he's sent. And he travels through the plains and he's in the Feywild once more where he was exiled. There he learns that his father is dead. The news around all the Feywild is that his dad worked with the Mechanos, did the unspeakable crime, and they basically burned him at the stake apparently. Darian does not know how to process this because the last he saw him, like his dad basically exiled him. But now he's learning his dad is dead and all his pent up anger towards his dad is just nowhere to go anymore. But he goes through this little Feywild dungeon on his own. He ends up at this silver weird pool, which was apparently a portal where the Mechanos first came into the Feywild from. Uh, And he accidentally maybe activates it because he was wearing this mask that had a little tiny Mechanos on it, a little drone thing that started activating it. But Darian hits this blue stone on his suit. He has this stone that is given to these interplanar travelers that can rewind time, basically. So it rewinds him back in time to the spot before he traveled. So he gets back to the Mechanos place and he gets put back in his ice prison. Peterson... You can, you can see now that because it was a three-way split, it was very complicated for me to DM. But it turned out to be extremely cool to listen to. So, again, highly recommend. Um, but Peterson, working with the Greeters Guild members, or what's left of them, uh, start recruiting uh, and trying to find their way through to meet up with Zippy and Darian. And Darian gets himself out of the ice pit with help from Draken. Um, and Draken, Darian... Peterson and the Greeters Guild members, Lara, Leslie, and Zippy all finally meet up and they discover that the robots here, the Mechanos, are actually the souls of the Greeters Guild members kind of split and shoved into these mechanical bodies. They were using them to make more Mechanos people somehow. So they finally go 
and and they hack basically the robots and they get a bunch of them, a small army of these Mechanos people on their side. Um, and they go to fight Otto. Otto shoots out these weird tendrils and starts hack rehacking them and starts molding together with them and turns into a giant mech, like a literal like Gundam mech. And the guys are speechless and they don't know how to fight it. But it turns out that Leslie is also a Mechanos thing, but a very special type of breed. They don't really know too much about why Leslie's a Mechanos or what he even is because he doesn't remember. He doesn't have much memory. But Zippy pushes a button under his armpit and Leslie, their guide, the tiefling boy, turns into like Astro Boy and becomes a freaking train with a gun rail on the front. So they do this super epic fight on the gun train, shooting at the mech and fighting this whole horde of robots. And they fall and they seemingly fail because no matter how hard they hit Otto in his mech form, he keeps regenerating. But they have these blue stones that can rewind time. And Darian... I should also mention, has this mechanical sword that he created in the Feywild. It's the sword that got him kicked out. And it can transform now and it can speak because it's kind of half Mechanos itself. And his sword, the switch, says that they have to put the stones in him, launch it at Otto, and rewind time far enough for him so that he doesn't even exist. They do that. They shoot this rocket lance that it transforms into and they shoot it into Otto's chest and it rewinds time. And it seemingly, though, has a large range of effect and it's rewinding time in the whole area. And Leslie, the Greeters Guild members, and Lara and the guys are all freaking out because time is rewinding and they're going to be phased out of existence. But the guys have this magic anti- magic cloak i guess it's not magic it's anti-magic cloak and they can only save one of these people including themselves and leslie tells them to save lara and they save lara they put her in the cloak and everything goes so far back in time that basically everyone is non-existent but some of these robots that were out there got rewinded back to the point where they were human or or whatever orcs and and tabaxi they get reverted back to living but because their souls were split there's clones so it's like there's one human named dave now there's 10 humans named dave um so that's kind of a problem but it turns out that Otto was not finished he still had his scorpion like body um while severely weakened he he still used this body to fight back and he was starting to kill people and the guys have one last standoff where they fight Otto and Darian puts the killing blow and shatters uh their their mechanos orb and kills them they learn that all these people that are clones were from Mana Snow and some were greeters and one of them specifically, this greeter named Green and his clones decide to stay behind in this newly rewound time area uh, with Lara to work on the interplanar um, machine so that it could be used in the future to potentially go to the Mechanos plane and save Leslie if he was sent back there or whatever happened. Who knows? But they want to stay behind and work on that 
planar tra- planar travel machine. So we fast forward to them leaving Man of Snow. They brought the clones with them because the clones wanted to go back home. They go there, but before they go into the town and have this great reunion with all the people, they find out that not only is this one group of people called the Flock, this religious group after the guys, but there's also this other business group called the Competition Bureau that are hunting our heroes, Darian, Zippy, and Peterson, and Norman, who's in a coma on the ship, I guess, still. But they learn that they're hunting them because the guys... Remember that guy who I mentioned who they saved from the tower, that thief? Yeah, it turns out that guy was one of the top 10 greeters and he stole a grand treasure clue from that tower. That was never supposed to be stolen. It's it's like a violation of all the rules. So these people think that they're with you and they're being hunted. The guys quickly leave on their airship and fly away. And this time they're going to the desert, to the second grand treasure where Peterson wanted to go. On the way there, they have more dreams, zippy dreams of the black ball, but this time it has legs. It's growing, this weird dream black ball. Um, and also on the way there, the blue flowers that got implanted in Darien and Peterson start to grow. And they can't say the name Karen. They can't say the name Blue Flower or else they get dealt so much damage and they keep going unconscious. It's brutal and it's like controlling them. But they try to control it by not mentioning it or talking about it at all. In the desert, they find this moving city, this kind of like caravan. It's like a bunch of caravans just smushed together to make one giant moving city of, of wood and, and, and materials. It's like very pillowy. Uh, it's just a caravan. It's just smushed together. It's a caravan city that's on the move. And it's following this house that is like a giant elephant. And it's walking on these four like wooden legs and it's walking and it has a trail of people leading up to it. And that house, that moving building, is apparently the second grand treasure. The guys land here and they do some shopping with their favorite friend, the cursed curiosity collector, Valentine, who I should mention is just their magic shop dealer. He's always around. He's always there and he's always collecting curses. And they go to ask him about the blue flowers here. And apparently even the cursed curiosity collector has never seen this cursed flower that's on them. So they ran out of luck there. But here... In this city called Rasha, Zippy meets an old friend, the person who recruited him into his ammo company, his pill-selling company. So they reunite. His name's Chris, by the way. And uh, they're doing their whole, like, selling spiel to everybody with the ammo company. Um, but while they're doing that, their stuff gets stolen. Specifically, their piano key uh, gets stolen by this random changeling thief, this shapeshifter. And they take them into this place called the Cushion Cabaret, this exclusive club in this place. Um, and they can't get in without having these badges. So they have to go to these people and get these badges with these mini games. They have to do a stingray desert race. Um, they have to do a slingshot competition. And they also have to do tongue twisters and, and chores and also a gambling game. And then they got all the badges and they go inside and they meet this four-armed purple crystalline being named Chanzog. Uh, and they seem to be a follower of the second grand treasure. They seem to worship it. Um, and they get in a fight there because a magic bean gets chopped in a whiskey glass and it starts a geyser. It got wild. Uh, but they, their items are, are taken away and they lose the fight. 
mostly because the blue flowers like corrupted them and stuff again uh, and was starting to shoot pain. And every time it's shooting pain, the blue flowers are screaming this name Bayside into their head. It's just screaming Bayside into Darian and Peterson's head. But Zippy follows and Darian and Peterson follow Chanzog, who's now running with their items to the second Grand Treasure Library, the moving building. And they're basically going to offer these items to it, apparently. They follow in and they find it's just this giant like pit. It's way bigger on the inside. It's like Doctor Who style. And it's just this circular pit. And Chanzog's throwing the items in. And the piano key gets thrown in and falls. Darian and Peterson go to fight Chanzog, and Zippy goes down the pit. Zippy, down in the pit, notices that the deeper he goes, the quieter it gets, until you can't hear anything. No matter what sound you make, you can punch a wall, it won't make a sound. You can try to speak, but nothing will come out. And down here, this weird giant cloaked figure is chasing Zippy. And Zippy's trying to chase the piano key to get it. Um, he finally retrieves it, but everything's going wacky. It's like the whole building. It's like Monster House. The whole library is trying to consume him. Like books are falling and this giant is there and Zippy actually gets consumed by books and it seems like he's going to suffocate. But the giant figure that was chasing him saves him and gives him this weird little paper boat hat and Zippy is saved and starts flying back up with the paper boat hat and the grand treasure piano key in his possession. Darian and Peterson fight Chanzog and kill him, as well as fight this horde of zombies, these white-eyed zombies, because in this library, if you read any book, your eyes just glaze over white and you seem to become zombified. You seem to become, like, just engrossed with the knowledge and just devoid of soul. But they leave with this second grand treasure uh, behind them. They put it behind them and they have the, the their their own grand treasure clue and this new paperboat hat. Through... Learning the legend lore spell, Peterson casts it on the paperboat hat, and they learn that that person who gave it to them was actually one of the boys that found the second grand treasure, the ones that discovered it. And you hear a lot about their story and basically how this paperboat hat belonged to one of them that died too early. And also this paperboat hat, when put in water, whoever is holding the the bowl that it has the water in it, the paperboat will point towards whatever that person desires most. It's like a compass that leads them wherever they want to go, wherever they, whatever they want most. It's kind of like Jack Sparrow compassy thing. But now the blue flower problem is becoming even more prevalent. It almost got them at the end of the grand treasure, the second grand treasure there. And they don't know what to do. They, they, they have to go to Bayside because it's screaming and they start going there. And Chris mentions that that's actually also the place of the ammo conference. The the ammo company is having a conference there at Bayside. So while they're flying there, they have another dream. And this time, Zippy and Darian are in the dream plane. And the god of dreams shows up once again. Viso is his name. And he shows up and he wants to use Zippy for something. He wants to make another deal, another god deal with Zippy. But Zippy is going to agree and Darian's going to agree as well but the black ball is now a fully formed like black little lapine it looks kind of like zippy ish but it's just like a black surface ball it's just weird it's still like kind of a mickey mousey kind of ball it kicks the god of dreams into a door and sends them away and opens a portal in the ground and the black ball leads them out of this dream prison into this area 
where they go through this cloud and there's all this lightning and they see the dream tree, this giant tree that apparently connects all the dreams. It's blue. And they go past it and they go to this place where it's this like bridge in the middle of this whole smoky lightning area. And they open this door and tell Zippy and Darian to go in. And they go in. And in this weird dreamy space, they find this cliff that leads up to a pool of water that's floating over their heads and reflected in that water is Normandy for some reason and Darian and Zippy work together to grab him by the horns it's like he's kind of like flipped upside down gravity wise so they reach up into the water and grab Norman by the horns and pull him out but just as they pull him out they wake up and Norman still seems to be in a coma they keep flying the bayside And while they're flying, all of a sudden they're interrupted by Karen. Karen shows up once again, and he's trying to explain his case, how he wants Lublonger dead, because all this blue flower stuff that you're seeing, all the people who've had it in the past, it wasn't Karen's blue flower, it was Lublonger's blue flower, because whoever has one of these blue flower tattoos can use it to spread spores. And and basically, it's like parent-child relationship where... The parent can control the child. Whoever they give the blue flower to, they can control that person. And Karen knows he hasn't done that in a long time. You guys are pretty much the the first ones to have it done in a while. And he wants revenge because he knows that May, who had one, was sent to kill Gilbert. And also Norman. But they are going to assassinate Lou Blonger. Zippy is very on the fence because he thinks Lou Blonger is like a saint. But Karen assures Zippy that Lou Blonger is not the saint he appears to be. And they make this kind of deal that if Zippy decides that, yes, Lou Blonger is bad, that he will give the signal for the assassination plot to go down. So the deal is kind of set. They also learn here that Karen is not just simply an old man tiefling. He is one of the beasts of creation that was made way back at the beginning of time. And he is kind of searching for someone called Parley, who was taken from him. And Gilbert was apparently trying to help him out. So he's willing to do all that. And, and he's trying to do everything to find her as well as become the hero that the world needs, apparently. He's kind of chaotic. But the guys reluctantly agree. They don't really have much of a say as well because they have the blue flowers. And they go to the conference. Here they split up. Zippy goes to meet with Lou Blonger. And Peterson and Darian attend the conference. And at that conference when they're attending, they see that a new pill is being unveiled. It's a pill called the Bullet. And here, Peterson and Darian learn that the Bullet pill is actually just their weird version of spreading the blue flower spores. You see, spores from a blue flower can only be shared, but it takes a lot of your life force out. Karen can do it pretty willingly because he's a beast of creation as life out the wazoo. But how could someone like a human like Lou Blonger do it? It's, you do it twice and you die. But apparently this bullet pill, this new one that you shove up your nose, circumvents all that for some reason. So they find out that these bullets that are being produced are going to corrupt a lot of people with the blue flower. While they're doing that, Zippy instead 
is meeting with Lou Blonger. And he's meeting with Lou Blonger, and they have this talk on the beach. And essentially, he finds out that Lou doesn't have the same vision as he does. Lou wants to corrupt people. He wants to balance everyone. It's basically like, if everyone's super, no one will be. Because he thinks that the grand treasures are bringing all this balance out of whack. Because now that they're being found, people are getting unfair advantages. And Lou wants to live in a world where everyone can do what they dream of doing. And that whatever predetermined factors they have in their life, it won't stop them. If they don't have the opportunity to become like a king because of some weird bloodline, they can circumvent that. He wants a world where everything's balanced and everyone has equal opportunity. But Zippy learns and knows deep down that the way Lou Blonger is going about it is not okay. So he turns his back on it and he okays the assassination. And the assassination happens. Karen lunges at Lou Blonger, but it turns out to be a fake one that entraps him in this weird slime. And the real Lou Blonger shows up and paralyzes Zippy. And Darian is starting to be overrun by ammo company employees. And he's pinned down. And Peterson is back. And he's getting corrupted by the blue flower now. Both Darian and Peterson are getting kind of absorbed by Karen because he's taking their life force to help his own. So they're both dying and being attacked by ammo people. And all this time, just before Darian dies... From being absorbed, his star metal ring flares and it retracts the blue flowers. It's like kryptonite for it and he's saved. But Peterson doesn't have that and Peterson dies. But just when all hope seems lost and this giant sea creature's hand comes out of the, the ocean and it seems to have like a laser hand. It's We still don't know too much about it, but Lou Blonger was controlling it. Just when everything seemed hopeless and everything was down, boom demon form Norman, the same one that was at Gilbert's mansion when Norman died. Norman shows up in a fury of flame and he just destroys Lou Blonger and sends him flying into the ocean, grabs Zippy and just jumps back to the airship. Darian made his way there on foot while still, in the meantime, checking on Peterson. He tried to save him, but Peterson was dead as far as he could tell. And all the people that had the bullet were now starting to be affected by the blue flower and were seeming to go like berserk as well. So the blue flower is just running amok here. So Darian, Norman, and Zippy make it back to the airship, reunited with Norman. It's a very like sweet reunion. And they start flying off. But the laser hand from the ocean shoots a blast and they block it and they fly into the clouds getting away. They fly back to Orem where they meet back with Gallard. And Darian talks with Gallard and learns that his dad did, in fact, cause the Mechanospore in the Feywild. And Gallard invites Darian to go back to the Feywild with him soon. But Darian declines for now because him and Draken have their own plans where Draken's basically going to mentor Darian into getting more power and more powerful so that he can become an Archfey down the line. They also hear in Orem go visit Gilbert's grave where Norman does speak with the dead and they learn the name of the person that they were supposed to meet to get the book translated and their name is Randy Domino and they're the bard for the first grand treasure greeter team. They also meet up with Paige and Marley and also Bradley. Bradley's this little boy in love with Paige um, and he can talk to animals for some reason. But they they meet up with all these people and Yogurt also decides to leave the crew using the paper boat hat. 
Um, he wants to go do his own thing for now. And everything seems to wrap up because now with season three, they're finally going to find more grand treasure clues. And they're going to first start by heading to Leek's Garden, the jungle lands with Norman back and everything. And that's pretty much all of it. It's, you know, that I'm sure I missed a few, like a few details, but that's all the highlights. That's all the bullet points. Um, but I also should also mention there was a little after credit scene that if you didn't listen to it then, you can hear it now. But basically, Peterson seemed to be alive. And Peterson had a reason for everything he was doing. Peterson wanted to go to the second grand treasure because he wanted to find information to bring his tribe back that he accidentally killed by summoning this monster. And the monster had always been hunting him down ever since he summoned it. And while he was in the clutches of Lublonger with Karen, because Karen brought Peterson back to life using their blue flower relationship, Peterson decided to sacrifice himself by summoning that monster again and hopefully destroying Lublonger with it. But we will see in season three if he was successful. Probably not because Lublonger is the big bad guy. <laughs> but that that is the after credit scene, and now you're all caught up. Whew. Yeah, okay, that was a long time to talk. Jeez. Uh, I don't talk as much in the, in the regular episodes. The other guys do a lot of the talking. <laughs> but that is the story so far. And I should mention, if you want to learn more, uh, we have a Wikipedia page growing that our patrons, like, they, they put together. It's awesome. Cheaper by the Dungeon. Uh, uh, we just type Cheaper by the Dungeon Wiki and you'll find it. And it is a great resource. We're building into it. And if you listen, you can start adding to it as well. But if you want more context, there's a little bit more there. We're still fleshing it out. But if you want more story and more details on everything, that's where to find them. I know it's a lot. It's a complex weaving story that's been being told over two years now. Uh, I hope I summarized it good uh, so that you guys can hop on and feel like you already know what's going on and you can enjoy season three to the fullest. Um, we're going to strive for bigger and better things this season and it's coming out October. Uh, let me look. October 13th, next week, two, uh, a whole week from today uh, when this comes out at least. But that's everything I have. That's the story so far. We're getting into some more crazy stuff. We're going to do a lot more treasure hunting for real in season three. Season two kind of got on a weird path, especially after Norman died. But we're back at it now. And we're going to do something crazy. I hope you enjoyed this recap. And I hope you can start joining the Cheapskate Army and listening along. So thanks, everybody, for listening. If you got it through this far, you are a trooper. Uh, we love you all. And... Get pumped. Season three, coming soon. All right, take care, everybody.